Yes, I'm back. I know some people thought that I went away and I wouldn't be back here, but it is the Behind the Mic podcast. This will be season two as we get uh, into a brand new off season here. For those who don't know, I'm the voice of the Portland Sea Dogs, the AA affiliate of the Boston Red Sox. Do their play-by-play, and now officially in my off-season, while I've been for a while, and starting the podcast back up. So this is what I'm going to do from now on going forward in the years to come. This will be an off-season podcast. I think it works better to just talk about other things besides baseball. And in just a few minutes, Greg Johnson from the Summit Project, which is an amazing thing going on right now, and what they do, it it ties in with 9-11. You're going to hear this interview in a minute. Greg is doing this amazing hike right now, and he'll explain all the details, and it means a lot to me, so we'll get that. First thing that I ask is you like, you subscribe to the Behind the Mic podcasts. You can find me everywhere. If you go on Facebook, it's Behind the Mic. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. But want the feedback, want your messages, would love to have uh, in the show and in this podcast incorporate fan questions. So I'll have my own questions today. We'll get to Greg here right now, and then we'll come back with uh, my high five. This is something new I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about five things, a list of things I have. But you can email me, cdogsradio at gmail.com. That's even easier. But there's so many ways to find me, and uh, we'll get those things on. Here's Greg. On October 2nd, Greg Johnson began an 11-day, 150-mile trek from the summit of Cadillac Mountain to the summit of Mount Katahdin in order to raise awareness of all the important work his team has done in support of our fallen heroes and their surviving families, as well as raise money in support of providing financial sustainability of this organization for many years to come. Please help his awareness in all efforts and spread his message far and wide. With your help, we can help accomplish everything he has sought out to do. Recently, I caught up with Greg on his trek. First of all, Greg, want to know where you're at. So right now, I'm on the outskirts of Ellsworth. I'm actually leaving Ellsworth. Um, just past the Lucerne Inn on my way to uh, Brewer, uh, right before Bangor. That's the final stopping point for today. This is great stuff. Why don't you just uh, take us through how this all begins and uh, this whole journey that you're doing? All right, so uh, I'm doing this uh, on behalf of the Summit Project organization. We have a very special way that we honor uh, fallen heroes who have passed uh, since the attacks of 9-11, either in garrison or combat. Uh, we have a very special way that we pay tribute to them. We work with Gold Star families across the state. Uh, they invite us in their homes. They share with us their, their stories and favorite memories of the loved ones that they have lost. And then they unearth and donate large tribute stones uh, to our organization that come from a uh, special place in their lives, such as a uh, favorite uh, family homestead or a um, favorite fishing hole or a fireplace or somewhere of significance to them. And what we do is we engrave the initials of their loved one they lost on there, along with their rank uh, branch of service, um, their date of birth and their date of death. And we invite members from around the community to come forward and do three very important things. So we call this the learn launch letter of the organization. At first, uh, the first things they do is they learn everything that they possibly can about this fallen hero uh, that they're paying tribute to. So uh, they could use this. Uh, they could look at the biographies that are posted and written by our families and posted on our website. They could speak to the families directly if the families are willing. Um, basically use any means necessary being able to do this. But the point is to learn and, and uh, not necessarily focus on the circumstances surrounding their death, 
but more so being able to uh, share the stories and memories that uh, the Gold Star families want carried forward um, in their name. And then they take these stones and they launch on some kind of physical adventure somewhere around the world, whether it be a parade or a hike or uh, these stones have been to Kilimanjaro, they've been to Mount Everest, they've been to Denali, Iceland, they've done the Appalachian Trail through. They've literally traveled the world. And as they do this, uh, these hikers share the stories and uh, everything they learn about these heroes with everyone they interact with along the way. And then, uh, but they're not done. After they do this, what they do is uh, they write, they sit down and write a letter back to the families. So the families understand that even after the passing of their son or daughter or husband or wife or parent or sibling, that they have, they still have the ability to continue impacting all these people even to this day. That's just so. Uh, that's an overview of the organization. Yeah. Uh, right now, we do two signature events every year. We do one at Baxter State Park. We do another one at Acadia National Park. Our Baxter event takes place Memorial Day weekend each year. And the Acadia event takes place on the last Saturday of September in the fall. And uh, we actually just got done our uh, Acadia event this past weekend. We had 80 hikers um, wow. carrying the stones and the stories of our fallen service members to the top, to the summit of Cadillac. Um, when they get there, they sit down in their teams and they share with their teammates and teach their team everything they've, they, they've learned along the way about their hero that they're paying tribute to. Uh, so I'm, I started off two days ago at the summit of Cadillac and uh, I'm heading 150 miles out to the summit of Katahdin, taking it back to where TSB all began. So uh, missions twofold. We have, uh, sorry, I know this is kind of long winded. No worries. All right. So the missions twofold. Uh, our goal is to, one, spread the TSB mission to uh, a bigger population, new audiences here in the state of Maine, even outside the borders of this state. Uh, we know that we have a very special way of honoring heroes here. Uh, we have 77 heroes that are being honored currently inside the organization. We know that there's a number of uh, other heroes that are throughout the state of Maine that we'd like to honor as well. Uh, we want to get the message out to the families, so if the families would like us to honor their heroes in this very special way that they could reach out to us and we could do the same for them. And the second part of this uh, this mission is this is a fundraising ruck. So uh, we're raising money for the TSB organization. Our goal is to build upon the growth and sustainability of TSB as a whole so we can uh, continue to, to serve uh, these Gold Star families. We can continue to serve the community here in Maine. And at some point, we would like, we do understand that while we have a very special way of honoring our fallen Maine heroes, there are other states, uh, other heroes in other states and other Gold Star families that don't necessarily have the same support network as we do here in the state. And we would like to break down the barriers of uh, our borders and, and bring this create TSBs and other states uh, across the country as well. Greg, how did you get involved? So I've been involved. Uh, I've served in the Marine Corps for 10 years. I went on five deployments, uh, three to Iraq one to Afghanistan and one in Southeast Asia. I uh, got out of the Marine Corps back in 2013. Um, luckily, I found this, uh, uh, the TSB organization soon after I got out, and uh, I'm glad that I did. Uh, I think every service member that's out there can relate, but when you're when you serve in the military, there's a very big purpose of uh, what you do. It's uh, a way of life and a, a nature of being. And uh, when I got out, I was able to carry forth you know, those efforts into something that's just as powerful, if not more powerful, um, honestly, to me. Uh, big thing is on those deployments and even back in Garrison, we lost a number of our fallen heroes, a uh, number of friends 
and uh, members of my unit along the way. And this is kind of not just uh, we understand, right? So we understand firsthand the the loss and the grieving, and uh, to be able to carry forth the, what we learned, and you know, being able to share that with the Gold Star families and help them through the same process, it, it means a lot to us. So uh, we don't just honor fallen service members from uh, those who pass away in combat, but but in garrison as well, and that's really important to me. That's awesome, and, and we also really like your involvement with the Sea Dogs as well. Oh, the Sea Dogs have been fantastic. So we had a, um, a game, a military appreciation game this past year where they honor the Summit Project's mission, uh, and a number of our Gold Star families actually were able to come out onto the field with us as we did a pregame ceremony back in um, August. Uh, I believe it was August 11th. And it was so fantastic. We got to see the game. Um, the Sea Dogs have always been there to support us, and we are very, very grateful for everything that you guys do for us. That's great stuff by Greg Johnson. And if you want more information, go to thesummitproject.org. Greg Johnson began that 11-day, 150-mile trek on October 2nd. And, again, if you go to summitproject.org for more information. They have a great mission statement, and I really love it. Every day, the Summit Project tries to answer one question. How can we as a community of Mainers come together and ensure that our state's post-9-11 fallen heroes are not forgotten? Great stuff. Greg, good luck. All right, so I get this question a lot. You know, when the season ends, what in the world do you do? Well, I'm very fortunate that the Portland Sea Dogs employ me all year. So for 12 months, I get to work in a baseball office. And I can tell you, first thing about that, that's uh, it's a pretty amazing thing to do. As I'm recording this right now, I'm sitting in my booth at Hadlock Field. I'm looking out, and they're working on the field here. And uh, no days off, like Bill Belichick says, and working on the infield dirt. So I get to come to this ballpark every day. I've got an office downstairs, work with some terrific people, and that's first and foremost. And uh, the ownership here is terrific, but I do like the days in the office. It's fun. Uh, the off-season is completely different. It's a 9 to 5, but there are things that we'll do on the weekends once in a while. We'll have events at night. Uh, for instance, coming up in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a table at the Maine Mariners game. And just always keeping the Sea Dogs in the community and always keeping the Sea Dogs out there. So some of the things that I do, but first I'll tell you a little bit about what happens when the season ends. And I've been doing this for many years. Uh over 20. Sometimes I forget. I've been doing it since I was 23, so half my life. And I will say, every year when the season comes to a halt, it's very weird because you go, go, go. Uh, it's 140 games. I travel with the team. I'm here in the morning. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, love. It's passion. This is why we do this. So it, it's five months of that, and then all of a sudden, I play that game on Monday at 1 o'clock. Usually it's at Hadlock Field, and that last game of the year, the regular season, if you don't make the playoffs, uh, that's it. And that last Monday game on Labor Day is always at 1. Uh, what we always do is we get together after the game, and that's it. The season's over. You wake up the next day, and it's it's a really odd feeling because now you have all the time in the world where before you don't have a lot of time. So it's the balance is weird. you got to really learn how to handle that because it can be – Mentally, it can be a little weird because you, you're performing and you, you, there are times where you, you'd like some time off and you get tired and all that, but it's still what drives you as a person. What I do, performing, calling games, is part of me. It's not just something that I love to do. It's something that I kind of have to do. It's, it's what 
it's what makes me breathe. You know, it's what's in my blood. And then it goes from all of that to, to stopping. And I'm lucky here where I get some time off after the season. And it is weird. You know, it's the adjustment to going back to a somewhat what we call in, in the business a normal life. And I don't do much in those couple of weeks. You know, I'm fortunate to live near the beach. So get time with family, friends. So I decompress and then I get back into the office. And then it's back in the office. So again, what are some of the things that I do here in the office? Well, I help with planning, with marketing. We all assist in coming up with ideas and making the experience here a lot better. I I work in doing uh, team appearances. I take Slugger out. I work uh, in media side too, helping uh, the team get media coverage, speaking engagements, I work in all of our publications that we put together in the off-season. I write a lot of that. I compile team stats. I'm kind of the team historian with all the record-keeping. And there's a lot of projects that I work on, and the off-season gives me the time to do that. There's some things that I want to do to really update our team history. And it's just there's a lot of other facets of the job that I work on, social media. But I keep myself busy. I teach myself something every year. One year I taught myself InDesign. My goal this year is to learn Photoshop just by watching YouTube and and just trying to pick up some skills and make everything better. So that all starts, and then all of a sudden, after Christmas, and we get into the new year, and then uh, it's back into the 2020 season. It's it's just amazing how it will go. The fun part right now is to get to sit back and watch baseball. And yes, I do get to watch it, but I don't get to see a lot of Major League games. And right now, watching the Major League playoffs... Item two is the Tampa Bay Rays. And I think the Tampa Bay Rays is such a good life lesson. might be strange to say, how can a major league team be a life lesson? We'll kind of look at it symbolically or the analogy or whatever that they're, whatever you want to call it right now. I think the Tampa Bay Rays, and I've said this many times, is an amazing sports franchise that does not get enough credit. They play, we hear this all the time, they play in a, in, a, in a terrible place. No one likes Tropicana Field. Fans don't go to their games, even after all the years they're winning. They don't have great support. They don't spend a lot of money because they can't. They piece this together pretty much every year. Oh, and by the way, they're competing in the American League East with um, two of the Giants, you'd say. Not San Francisco, but... The, we, we know who they are, Red Sox and Yankees. And they're beating those guys. And yes, I'm, I'm on the side of the Red Sox, but I, you still have to give credit where credit's due, and the Red Sox people would as well. And I've talked to some of them. I'm not going to name who they are, but, but they, yeah, they'll say this is pretty remarkable. And it, it just, I'm surprised, and I shouldn't be, but I'm in awe of what they do. Now, why is that? Everything, great businesses, organizations, a great nursery school starts at the top. Everything starts at the top. They have terrific ownership group. They have terrific leadership. You could say, well, they've got good scouting and coaches and they've got good. They do, but it's got to start somewhere. And as I'm recording this, they're tied 2-2 in their series with the Astros when it looked like they had no business being on the same field as that team. They lose two games in Houston. They go to Tampa Bay. They play a 1 o'clock game on a Monday, down 2-0, and you're thinking, all right. I was thinking, they're done. 
They smoke them. They win again. They have a chance to beat the Astros three straight. It's remarkable what they're doing. And just to hear a lot of their players talk, these guys don't give up. And it's just, to me, I don't look at championships making a model franchise. That's what the sports radio people will do. Well, it means nothing if they don't win it. That's, that's BS to me. The cards that they've been dealt with, it's not easy. First of all, in baseball, it's not easy to win championships. And what the Red Sox have done is just crazy. The championships they've won in the, since 2004. But for Tampa Bay to compete in the attitude they have where they could have packed up after game two and they did not is, uh, is amazing. So that's my second item. My third item is going to be an entertainment. Ellen DeGeneres. I am a huge fan of Ellen. Ellen is a, a role model to me. And you might think, why would a talk show host be a role model? Well, I think Ellen is one of the most talented people I've seen interview. And I've learned a lot from her interview skills and, and making people feel comfortable. My feeling on and Ellen's show when I watch it is she's inviting you to her house. And after a while, that person in the other chair is saying, I like it here. I, I feel comfortable. I could... I could stay here. I could hang out there. She has this gift, and it's remarkable. And this week she was in the news because she went to a Cowboy game, and George Bush was there, and she was getting blasted for that. And she just said, hey, my message is we should love everyone. We can have difference of opinions, and I think that's beautiful. And I've been thinking about the things she's talked about, and she's a leader. To me, that's a leader. They're willing to say things you don't want to hear. She doesn't agree with things that George Bush says or, or maybe Republicans, but she's still willing to be good friends with them. It's okay to disagree. We're in a, in a time right now where it is, and everyone does this. Oh, you know, back in the day. that. But I feel that we all have things in our generation that we, need, we think we get better at. Or, um, you know, maybe people worked harder back in the day. But I think... This is not healthy in this era to be so unwilling to have a difference of opinion in someone and be okay with it, not to be defensive. It's okay if someone says, I don't agree with you. Those are things that should not be in this era. That's something that should always be allowed in any time, back in the 20s, the 30s, 2030. But we're in a time now where people don't want to hear that. That doesn't make you better think about this. If someone is going out of their way to tell you something to make you better, what are they getting out of it? If your best friend is honest with you, your best, best, best friends will say things you don't want to hear. That's the friends I want. Why not? I love when people tell me. I had somebody troll me on Twitter this summer. Fine. They, I didn't like how they went about it, but that's, that's what people do. And it's not a Twitter issue. It's a pe- person issue. I politely direct messaged that person and gave my email and I said, I gave my phone number. Feel free to come to the ballpark, not to fight me. You're a listener, you're a fan. Tell me what I can do to get better. I'm all for that. But we're at a time now where we don't want to hear that. So I liked what, what Ellen did. Uh, Red Sox fans. I really thought, this is my, my fourth thought. I thought it's... I listen to, I try to listen to a lot of different opinions of things. I listen to a lot of national views of things and local 
here in Maine, and the, the, the people here in Maine are terrific. I think the, the radio talent here is terrific. The Boston, they can be, of course, you know, they get those phones to ring. They'll say a lot of the hot takes, which is part of their job. So I try to digest all of that in. And it's interesting to hear a lot of contradictions with the Red Sox right now, especially with fans. So I present this question to you. Feel free to comment. What do you want as a fan? What do you want? And you're saying, well, what, what in the world does that mean? Well, Dave Dombrowski, who's no longer running things. A lot of people were happy. People now seem to be on this prospect kick all of a sudden, which is, I am confused. It makes my head spin. I thought Dave did everything that a lot of Red Sox fans and a lot of media people have said the Red Sox should do. They didn't. They don't build championship teams. Why are they playing the young guys? Dave did that, and people didn't like it for some reason. He did leave the organization a little thin, but you had your best season ever. And now I'm hearing a lot of Red Sox fans saying, well, we don't have any prospects anymore. We're before. And I have this documented. When I did a talk show, I did a whole segment on how great Ben Charrington is. Ben Charrington came in. He put his foot down on getting rid of key prospects. But at the time when he was doing this, everybody was saying, and I I would get this told to me, prospects are suspects. I hear this all the time. It's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Because where do you think Major League Baseball players come from? Why do people say that? All prospects, all prospects are just prospects. Are you saying that about Christian Vazquez catching? You got Mookie, Devers, Bogarts, Benintendi, Betts, Jackie Bradley Jr., Matt Barnes, Brandon Workman. Eduardo Rodriguez was not someone you drafted, but you, you helped develop him. You got him at a point where he was not really developed, and you developed him. So I consider that homegrown to me. You've got a lot of homegrown guys. Look around baseball, the Astros, the Rays, even the Dodgers. So what do you want? Do you want a little of both? But you can't have it both ways. You can't get mad when the team trades the prospects, and you can't get mad when they keep them. And when Ben Sherrington was keeping guys like Devers and Mookie and Ben Intendi, people were mad. I think he did the right thing. And I think Dave did the right thing, too, because the guys he traded – or a lot of duplicate guys, and he knew that the positions were filled. So I, I am okay with that. But you have to ask yourself as a fan, or are you just miserable and want to complain all the time, which to me is getting old and getting tired of listening to people with baseball. you you got to have it one way or another. Do you like baseball, or do you just like championships? But don't think that all prospects are suspects. That's my get off my soapbox for that. The NFL, That's, this is going to be my last thing. I hear over and over again with the NFL, game is dying, saw their ratings are through the roof. And I think they continue to just be a great brand. But I want to, I want to get comments from this, and you can leave your comment here. Where do you think the future of the NFL is heading? Is the game at such a peak right now? Where will it go? And where do you want to see the technology go as well with it? Do, do we even have more technology? So that's my high five. I'm going to have five topics for you every week. Hope you enjoyed my interview with Greg Johnson. 
We're going to have a neck, uh, an episode next week. We continue this Behind the Mic podcast. will be off-season. So this is the premiere of the season two. Hope you have a, a great week. We'll be back with you next week. Peace and love. Out of-